You're listening to the SkillFlex podcast. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the SkillFlex podcast, where we talk about the skills and the tech that organizations will need to build enduring teams for the future of work. The future belongs to leaders who believe in empowering their people and investing in their growth. And what does that really mean? That's exactly what we're going to break down for you every week as we speak to someone new about how this really pans out in the real world. I'm Ankit Durga. Let's get started. The idea behind SkillFlex is to help companies create teams and organizations that are able to not just survive the future of work, but to thrive in it. We do this by making objective data on behavioral skills available to companies and individuals. But what are these skills and why are they so important and relevant for the future of work? That is the question that we'd be attempting to answer today. And to help us do just that, I have Dheris Singh with me. Hi, Dheria. Hi, Ankit. Dheria is a PhD student at the University of Pennsylvania, interested in the intersection of neuroscience and artificial intelligence. He works on understanding cognitive phenomena via computational modeling and is specifically interested in how we learn from the environment and transform information once we have learned it. In the past, he has worked on developing psychometric tools in education and recruitment. So you're no stranger to this world. In fact, when we were coming up with our first shortlist of skills for the framework, you were right here building it out with us. Given that context, I want to dive right in. To simply define what behavioral skills are, maybe a serious injustice to how important they are. So let me approach this another way. You'd be surprised to know just how many employers confuse these two. So let me begin by asking you, how are behavioral skills different from personality traits? Yeah, that's a really important question because people th- tend to think of personality, uh, at least in within the psychology world, as something that's uh, consistent and it's a latent variable which remains constant in people from very young in life. So from when maybe they're even five or six, and it remains with them for the rest of their life. And actually, there are all of these uh, really interesting studies which try to look at how personality traits that are measured when people are really young kids can actually predict future outcomes uh, several decades later even. And so personality tends to be thought of as this thing that's measurable. There are various ways to test it. At this point, there are all of these uh, different personality traits. And these tend to be these tend to be constant. What makes behavioral skills different is that we might expect that they aren't constant, that they uh, can change across a person's career, across a person's lifetime. And that's what makes them different from personality. It's something that you can build upon through training, through access to uh, evaluations. And both of them, I would say, would have probably have good predictive power as to real life outcomes, how you perform in real life situations. But perhaps behavioral skills would be something that you can actually change over time and build upon. Awesome. That's super helpful. So just to sort of understand this slightly better, let me repeat it back to you. You said that behavioral skills essentially are inherently things that you can build, you can develop versus personalities are more fixed and stagnant. I mean, the cycle of change for personalities is obviously much longer as compared to skills, which are inherently things that you can develop. You know, a lot of companies today actually use personality tests to make decisions on whether or not someone is a good fit for a job. Is that okay? Do you think that could be heavily biased? Because personalities, I'm guessing, is a function of a lot of different things in your life. Are personalities things that companies should rely on? Or should they look at other aspects like behavioral skills? Or is there something else? Maybe there's two different things to say about this. First thing to say is that you can have in the same role a variety of different personality types. Now we're kind of categorizing people based on the kind of personality types that they have, which is somewhat as a point of all of these uh, personality inventories and tests. One could argue that it's probably likely that a, a lot of different kinds of people can excel 
in the same role. Your personality is kind of your natural behavioral state, but it might not have that much to do with your actual productivity and actual work life because that tends to be slightly different. It tends to be more structured. It tends to be more goal-oriented. I am sympathetic to the argument that it does seem an odd thing to do uh, just in terms of the bias. I think for most jobs, that does not seem appropriate. I would say the bigger issue, which I would have a little bit more to say on just in terms of the work I've done, is how do you actually measure these personality traits in a way where you are actually able to uh, accurately get to people's personality traits and the exact composition of these traits. Because one problem is that when you're giving somebody a personality test, it's very clear what's happening. People know exactly what kinds of questions come up in these things. It's not difficult at all to figure out how to just game one of these tests. So there's a big measurement problem because if they somewhat know what a company is looking for, they can just give you the right answers at that point. And uh, you would have no way of telling uh, whether you're actually measuring something accurate or you're generating these responses uh, just based on what you're projecting wanting from, from the candidate. In psychology, this is called uh, demand characteristics. So just the demand that the uh, person collecting the data places on the participant, in this case, potential employees, you would just have a totally different outcome. You really want to avoid that. That's interesting. And how do you how do you address that? With more and more assessments out there, I hear a lot of uh, employers and organizations actually worry about this evaluation tool while conceptually it makes a lot of sense. I mean, people can just Google responses on these tools and make sure that they can game the system. But how do you overcome that? And what's the best practice around that? If, for example, we have to address this specifically for the personality use case? So one way in which it's often done, at least uh, experimentally, and this is very specific to lab experiments and how psychology research is done, you want to try to convey that what you're looking for is you're not judging people based on their responses. Uh, there's no evaluation happening. You literally just want to know what their answers to these personality trait questions are. And so lowering the pressure, lowering the, the conception that they're being evaluated based on these responses tends to lower these demand characteristics. People then are not trying to figure out what you're trying to do. I guess one answer is just help them not game the system by telling them that it's, you know, you're really just looking for the accurate responses. Uh, the other way in which it tends to be done, and this is maybe a little bit more complex, is you want to look at how people actually behave rather than their answers to questions. This is obviously very hard to do. Uh, you have to get people in the lab, you have to put them in a certain situations, see how they behave. And then using that, you then have complicated ratings happen, expert raters coming in, look at their behavior and see how they measure on, on these personality traits. That's a totally different kind of thing as compared to just giving someone and assessment. I mean, the primary suggestion being that the minute you're able to reduce the desirability around your responses and what you want from the tool and people, the minute you're able to sort of help people overcome that, that's when you're most likely to get the most accurate output from the tool. Okay, that's 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 fascinating. I'm just now shifting focus a little bit more to behavioral skills because these are essentially not personality traits, which is what we just established. They are inherently things that you can develop and change, you know, in a shorter period of time. Just with that in mind, how do you you know, typically when you talk to employers and interviewers and recruiters, you know, they typically say that these skills, like the ability to communicate, the ability to be persuasive, to influence people, to be empathetic, these are all skills and abilities that they pick up from interviews and whether or not people have prior experience in doing customer facing roles, for example. The, the worry, of course, being that these are what companies often think of as intangible skills, which are very, very hard to measure. How do you go about measuring something like that accurately? while also making sure that the problems that you just told us about personality uh, assessments and evaluations, you're also able to overcome those. 
interesting point that uh, these skills tend to be measured through interview and interviews are non-standardized and that's a problem because you don't know the differences in conditions for different candidates if there are different recruiters so the very first thing that you can't do without is standardization so you want assessments and you want tools that are consistent across participants and you want them to take it under similar conditions that's the most basic step that you want to take in psychometrics this is kind of thought of as a reliability measure if a test or an assessment is said to be reliable then it's being consistently offered and it's standardized so people taking the same test on multiple occasions would perform similarly and then the question is okay now that you've decided that you want to standardize things you want to make it consistent how do you actually measure the things that you want to measure and so the key thing here is this other concept of validity of how do you make sure that these things that are traditionally thought of as intangibles how are you actually getting at them with this assessment and the key solution tends to be to try to establish uh, predictive validity so that's hard to do so let me just define what that is if you have an assessment it's measuring behavioral skill x maybe something like say communication what you want to show as a person who's concerned about the scientific merits of this assessment is that it predicts something about so people who score high on this assessment, which is looking at communication skills, these people actually tend to be better communicators in real life situations. So that predictive power is what you have to rely on in a situation like this, when you're trying to measure something, which is thought of as intangible, which is, uh, has been considered hard to really nail down. So you have to rely on these external measures, which makes the process of developing these assessments very difficult, time consuming, and very iterative. So one common thing that tends to be true for any new psychometric instrument is that it takes many iterations to build. Uh, so that's how you can try to approach the problem uh, of how do you measure these intangible things? Can you establish some kind of relationship with real life variables. That would be kind of the gold standard of showing that these are valid instruments to measure these behavioral skills. I mean, what I heard you say was you have to develop a new inventory and then you have to make sure that that inventory is not only valid and reliable from a testing standpoint, but is also indicative of real world outcomes and indicators that you use to be able to define what good essentially is in your specific context. If I just have to probe that a little more is that let's say if you're talking about the ability to make decisions, uh, that's a behavioral skill that is important for different roles across organizations, across different industries as well. But that specific skill could mean something completely different for a senior level manager versus a fresh graduate out of college. And they both would be making completely different decisions with different implications, different consequences. So how do you make sure that the inventory that you have or the tool that you've developed is able to predict real-world outcomes on a specific skill like decision-making for people who have completely different contexts, like a you know a CEO versus a fresh college grad. Like, how do you how do you do that with the same skill? I think one solution, which tends to be a kind of maybe a less satisfactory solution, is just making things granular. So if you're measuring a decision-making performance for a fresher versus someone uh, who's a CEO, you want to give them different instruments. You want to give them different parts of this assessment so that you can cater specifically to their situation. Give them items which are actually relevant, can give you some useful data. The reason that's kind of unsatisfactory is because there's some kind of inherent preference to try to drill down to this more basic thing, which is decision-making, which is separate from all of these extraneous things as to you know how experienced you are, what your exact position is. And so that, I would say, one assumption could be that, okay, maybe it is possible to give people certain items, give people certain assessments, where no matter what their situation is, you'll be able to measure something real. As I said before as well, this 
has to come with a lot of predictive data. So the only way to do that is through iteration. And specifically, if you're building a new instrument, there tends to not be a very principled way of knowing beforehand whether your items will work or not. You have to administer those items. You have to collect data from how these people actually tend to perform. And only then can you tell whether the items that you had or the assessment that you had actually works or not. And I would say this is where the data science aspect and the machine learning aspect of this might come in, where if you have an automated system to be able to evaluate to this kind of predictive power, that's when you make it less of an iterative process in terms of just human being coming up with these things and checking these things. If you can somehow automatically decide what kinds of questions to offer to different people or what kinds of questions tend to be more predictive generally, I think that can only happen with a lot of data and with appropriate modeling. I think the more granular you make these things, that's always better. You want to think that there are these core set of questions that you can give everyone and that's kind of easy to understand. But I think the more granular you make it, the more specific you make it to each person, it's, that's always better. And when computers are designing these things, it's, you can do anything you want. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. But then that also means that for the inventories that you are developing, they have to be very, very vast to be able to uh, suit and meet different contexts. You know, then that essentially means that with, for every contract that comes to me, I have to spend two years or a year before that making sure that this is valid and tested and reliable and everything. And only yeah. then will you be, will it be usable in your context? So how do you address that? I would say the way to tackle that question or like how I would do it, and this is probably not an easy solution, but it's to actually just show them the data that we gave these exact same questions to this other company. Uh, the questions weren't written for them. They had this kind of correlation with actual performance. I think yeah. that kind of thing could be a very convincing thing. So a rigorously validated item set or a rigorously validated tool, which has proven its predictive ability in different situations for different sorts of audiences. And again, when we say rigorously validated, this essentially means it's backed with a lot of data and uh, it's been validated against real world metrics, which are specific to, you know, different contexts, which we may be, you know, talking about. It's not necessary that just because decision-making is decision-making at the core of it, it would be the same situation or it would be the same set of items for a CEO versus a college freshman. But again, I mean, if we have to sort of think about the measurement of these skills to make sure that we do this objectively, what do you think are the risks involved? And obviously many organizations right now rely on, like I said, interviews and resumes and other such proxies to make decisions on whether or not this person is likely to perform on the job. What are the risks according to you if we don't end up measuring this and i mean this both for the organization because of course keeping outcomes that organizations are working towards in mind those risks but also risks for the individual when they are going through the recruiting process for a specific job or making certain important decisions around their careers what in your mind are the various risks if we don't end up measuring this objectively obviously there's big risks in terms of bias creeping into your into your instrument and obviously mm -hmm. if you're not really measuring what you're claiming to measure you're not helping recruiters find the right candidates you're not helping candidates find the right positions that issue will always exist if your measure is not valid and that's why it's so important for there to be some kind of scientific framework some kind of iterative way in which you can develop these things uh, so that you're actually getting better over time and that's why it's important to have your data support your conclusions or your instrument such that you can actually back it up and show that this tends to be accurate and this does tend to predict uh, real life behavior. What is good predictive validity according to you? Like, can you quantify it? Right. So I, so I think, so the way in which it works in the lab is that uh, you, you maybe have a behavior which you think is a gold standard for a specific skill. And what you're trying to do is correlate results from your inventory with this gold standard behavior. So one example is that say you're 
writing an inventory to measure disgust and you actually put people in the lab and you show them like a cockroach or whatever and you actually correlate their physical uh, reactions of disgust with your inventory which is just the numerical responses that people have so that's kind of the way in which the predictability is is measured in the lab what you could try to do is one thing you can have is people's managers maybe report back a few months into you could ask them okay so what what is this person's communication skill level what is this person's leadership skill level and that can serve as a, a data point which you can correlate your measure with and can prove predictive validity so then that's again validating what is possibly objective with what is subjective and biased yeah the thing is you might say that in the laboratory study rating of people's physical reaction to disgust is subjective but the point is that that's what you actually care about just as an organization maybe one thing that you care about is that they actually the skills that you say that they have people at the company actually think they have those skills although it, it is subjective it could be what you actually care about and so could be a good way to show potential clients that we said that this person has xyz skills and then it turns out that they were in this position uh, and then there was this high correlation with their actual performance based on you know internal company metrics that could convince people that what you're actually getting at with these assessments is something that is real in terms of performance everyday performance yeah absolutely and i think again one of the things that i often read about especially when it comes to behavioral skills is that these skills are essentially skills that are, that could be super relevant and important in the future and we've seen that during covid that while the job that you're doing today the text stack that you're using the specific process that you're following the specific format in which your job is placed in the larger context of things all of those are variable and will most likely change in the future but behavioral skills and cognitive skills essentially are skills that help you adapt and make sure that as individuals you have the range and the ability to be able to adjust with the changes and the uncertainty that are inherently a part of the future again i feel like in addition to understanding what it means for you today and what good looks like both from an organizational standpoint and also as as an individual it also is super important to think of these skills as the skills that bring in range into into the work that you're doing on a day to day basis there are so many companies that hire people on the back of competencies which are essentially the what of things right so are you able to sell or not but every behind every what there is a how so for those competencies to manifest there are essentially skills required and and skills like persuasion skills like influencing people effectively communicating being empathetic and that becomes the how for the what and if you really want people who stick and if you really want to be good at your job it's important that you are not just following an sop but also sort of understanding what really goes on behind and what goes into making sure that you're successful at specific jobs and competencies and build those to make sure that you are ready for the future of work so that's super interesting and last question just picking up from this exact point there are why do you think it's important to measure these skills specifically for the future of work what do you think in your mind is a game changer about the future of work from a skill standpoint and how do these skills fit into that i think maybe here my fundamental underlying biases will come through but i always think that the data uh, more data is always better and having way in which you can measure these things is good both for companies for recruiters but it's also so much better for the individual themselves and to be able to tell what your core competencies are what kinds of things you're good at can only help you improve things in the future and can point out specifically what kinds of things you need to work on 
in this kind of dynamic changing environment it's so important to try to quantify these kinds of behavioral skills because it's not data that's available to people and making it available will only uh, help them awesome thank you thanks so much for taking the time and and doing this for us it, this was super insightful and thank you that's all for now thank you for listening to this episode of the skill flex podcast tune into our weekly chats by hitting that follow button on our podcast page